Well, hello there, listener. You are listening to the We Are MCBS podcast. This is episode 41. You're sitting there listening in your car, in your home, wherever you like to listen to the We Are MCBS podcast. My name is Tyler Ozzy Oswald. I'm the executive producer of the We Are MCBS podcast. And Jason and Pete are still missing. Jason, he just sent us a letter. Things are going great up at the North Pole. Pete, who knows where he is still? I think last time we heard he was somewhere down in Australia fighting a kangaroo. So here today on episode 41, we are at our normal format. We're going to have some lovely contributors come in, present some stories. We're going to talk about them. But first and foremost, we have a very, very loud woohoo crew up in the audience with us today. Oh, it's a shame that 2019 isn't going to be able to top that. That was beautiful. So right now, we are episode 41. We are recording on Friday, November 16th for this episode. And as many know, we're going to talk about a legend. Hi, my name is Tyler Brown. Um, I guess we can definitely talk about a legend who recently just passed away in the last few days. And his name was... The one and only Stan Lee. Yeah. What, how old was he? He was 95 years old. 95. So the man had a legacy, almost a full 100. Yeah. He was like, literally, he was the god of the MCU. And he literally, once like he passed away, he like left behind like a legacy. Almost so. literally god too, because they confirmed it in Guardians. He was a watcher. Yeah. So he has an internal legacy. What I have actually heard is that they've had about 15 cameos already filmed for him. Oh, yeah. So he's going to still exist in the MCU and Marvel films for, you know, how many more years they're going to make it. So 15 cameos. Yeah. He's good for like another 10 years. He's going to live on. Exactly. And like the other thing is, too, is he literally has I think I saw a thing was like it ha- he has 121 titles and like or like credits in his name for each movie. He has like he has the most uh, like title credits in a movie than any actor. Like he surpassed Brad Pitt. Um, I know it was Brad Pitt and I think it was Ben Affleck, one of the two. So it was crazy. So here on the We Are MCBS podcast, we are definitely going to take some time with the contributors coming in and they're going to be sharing Stanley's stories for themselves, how they affected his, how he affected their lives and any kind of fond memories they have from it, maybe inspirations that came from it. I have Tyler Brown sitting across from me right now because the man was, as we were talking about beforehand, he really had a large effect on you. Oh yeah. Especially like my childhood was like based around superheroes. Like that's what literally my life was like based around, especially with like Spider-Man coming out. And like spurt like in 2002 when Spider-Man first came out, that was like definitely like a big part of my childhood. So seeing like his legacy just grow on in the movie industry and especially my love for film as well. So I definitely think like him having a, such a big effect on my childhood with movies and just the comics he made and the video games that all produced from just him creating, putting a pen to paper and creating characters is what it was so awesome for, for me to like experience his legacy in my lifetime. Uh, hi, I'm Jessica Riker. I just have um, one little quick thing to add. I know um, people are talking about his legacy, and it turns out his legacy isn't going to die anytime soon, obviously. But um, his daughter revealed on an interview with uh, TMZ that they were actually working on a new superhero, like right before he passed away. And um, that superhero was named Dirtman. So the daughter actually didn't talk about it too much. She didn't go into detail, but she did say that they were going to follow up with the project and that she had plans on fulfilling this character to its full potential. So 
So we're still going to get some Stanley in the next couple of years. That's really good. Oh, yeah. Like you like you said, you could be the cousin to Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the one thing I would love to give credit to Stanley for was, you know, everybody loves Spider-Man. But the reason why people loved Spider-Man was because he was one of the first superheroes that was uh, just a normal, everyday, average dude. Like, he was a college student down on his luck. He couldn't pay the rent. He was uh, he was the everyman, and it was the first superhero, really, not to be portrayed as, you know, this invincible, very high-powered, someone you look up to. You looked up to Peter Parker for an entirely different reason, and Stanley brought that to us, brought a humanized superhero and that's why out of i'm not big on the marvel side i really wish i read more marvel comics but if there was anyone that i would pick up a comic for it would probably be spider-man and we can really look at stanley for giving us that type of character that when things are at their worst a lot of people look to spider-man and go look if he can endure it so can i yeah exactly like another like a good thing to put it there is like spider-man is not really like a person that it's like you see like superman or like thor where they're just big buffy like big bulky like gods literally almost yeah and so it's he's just an average dude average like college kid pretty much and he's just trying to live his life and he comes a part of like the part of like a he just becomes a super like a superhero and he just uses it to his like best of his ability Every single Spider-Man IP that exists out there always ensures to have some form of emphasis on this aspect of his character, too. Like, even the Spider-Man PS4, he's still a college student. He's not a college student, that one, but he's still a little down on his luck. Like, he's moving between apartments while still Spider-Manning. Yeah. So you get this grand heroic aspect to it, but you also get this guy that's like, "Ah, I forgot the rent this month. What am I going to do? I'm I'm just going to flip him. Yeah. Flip. Exactly. And, like, he's like... It looks like he's like literally doing an internship, try, just trying to make it by, and while doing this big task of being like a superhero. So yeah, he, it's a character that balances all, and we have Stanley to thank for bringing such an amazing character into the spotlight. Exactly, and it's just now his his like his literally his like comics turning into movies, and look at like what he created. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, like what he invented, pretty much. These were all very touching things to say about Stan Lee. He, we, we are definitely going to miss the man, but he has left behind a legacy and he has lived a good 95 years and have given us so much in that time. So thank you very, very much, Stan Lee, and rest in peace. Moving on in the We Are MCBS podcast, we have another story being presented and... Hi, I'm Rigel. Um, I mean, we were just talking about superheroes and all that. And well, why not we look at superheroes in our real world? Uh, well, of course, Elon Musk. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I had to make that. Oh. See, the backstory you guys don't get to see is as we were wrapping up the Stanley segment, he comes in with that perfect segue. And my usually I'm pretty good with like, punny and sort of dad jokey-ish segues but at that moment i just put my head down on the desk it was you couldn't handle it, it was, I, it was I couldn't a little too much it. you were the bane of my existence <laughs> rigel <laughs> so what do you have for us uh, but anyway so i'm sure everyone's heard about the boring company um yeah are you familiar yeah what what is that they is make it, textiles right maybe a little maybe a, a different company but no they're they're Essentially wishing to tunnel under um, our current infrastructure to um, revolutionize transit. Are they trying to just create the next generation of mole people? 
<laughs> uh, well, actually, it's like crazy high tech. What he's hoping to do with things like the Hyperloop, where you, it's 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 really sci-fi, where people are literally being like whipped around in tubes under the planet's surface. But anyway, he has finally started digging, and he actually has started tunneling under a community's houses, like forty feet under their houses. Um, they've started tunneling, and the thing is, they had no idea that it was going to happen. The the people of that community. Well, I, I figure at a certain moment their uh, deed on their land kind of doesn't extend all the way down to the Earth's core. So yeah, yeah. So where where is he digging? First off, uh, he's in. It's near his headquarters because essentially this is sort of a test. Um, it's going to allow them to sort of whip uh, Tesla products like on <laughs> freaking I don't know uh, uh, carousels, if you will, like across under the surface to uh, between two different locations. I think he's very aware of something that's going to happen in like the next five years. Like the the planet's surface is just going to go molten. I think it's going to be like I told you. And he's on I Mars. Built an underground just, network. <laughs> and he's already on Mars though. By well, this, this is the plan before he can get to Mars. Yeah, it's yeah. like this, this is, buys him time. Yeah, this is Plan B. In the event he can't get to Mars, this is at least there to where he can finish building his rocket to Mars and then launch it from the surface like a like an earth missile but uh anyway so a lot of people really aren't fond of this the fact that he's just digging under their no. homes the thing is though of uh, a technology that he's using is supposedly to be very very quiet uh okay yeah like like a foot a sound of a footstep almost that's what it was compared to in an it, interview. it's a shame that making the tunnel is not going to be quiet <laughs> my thing is like it's only 40 feet underneath the ground like what do you think the like the weight of the house is going to break through that 40 feet yeah because I mean, first off so it said his headquarters so this would be like silicon valley yeah over i, th there, I think it's between right? two locations i honestly just so we're already in an earthquake state yeah so oh, now we're true. reducing the infrastructure underneath to where one good quake and bam 40 feet's very considerable did you think about that uh, one elon musk i'm pretty sure he has i'm pretty I, sure i imagine he did. he did i imagine there's a lot of mathematics I just no, I, don't understand I, I, that one into no, you it. Know, I know you know way more than Elon, so you, you can you can teach him a few things. Yeah, you could. Uh, but anyway, the, he's planning on actually connecting this sort of infrastructure to other uh, transit systems in the future, but people are sort of doubting the, the legitimacy of if that's plausible. Well, the only reason they're doubting the legitimacy is because California has not had a good public transit system <laughs> like ever. <laughs> As a man who's come from L.A., I mean, most people don't realize we have a metro system. That's true. And people don't... It, look, I've taken it once or twice, and there's only one good line where you don't feel like bad things are going to happen to you. Oh, so, no. Oh, but, no. Yeah, our bus structure isn't even that great. Everything never runs on time, you know? So, of course, Californians are going to be skeptical about a, a public transit system or a transit system in general, but... You know, faith in Elon Musk. He's the man that brought us the Tesla. He's the man that brought us a flamethrower. He's the man. He's and, and for sure, especially though, because he's also not uh, affiliated with the government in doing this, he's mm -hmm. able to move a lot quicker and go around a lot of the legislation that sort of holds back, uh, tr you know, public transit in, in general and really slows it down. I mean, even if we look at how a lot of the government does its bidding for these sort of infrastructure mm -hmm. projects, they go to the lowest bidder, bidder uh -huh. and professionals will know that that project can't be done for that uh, mm -hmm. uh, price. And but then, then they just kind of like wash their hands clean, put it up in yeah. the air and go, oh, well. And then it gets abandoned and delayed and, and it just never happens. And then it, when it does happen, it's it's terrible. And then you're stuck with like potholes. So pray for Elon.
Pray Elon. for Elon. <laughs> Elon should just become Iron Man, and they just sell a bunch of his suits. Like you, you're aware that Iron Man was loosely based off Elon Musk, right? Yeah, exactly. It, there's. I, no I, doubt I'd about be concerned it. though, because he's wearing some super villain coats though. So we 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 want to keep him on the good side. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Right now, I feel like 2018. We've been pushing Elon Musk to. <laughs> what was the old Joker line? One bad day. Oh, All yep, it takes yep. is one bad day. That was the day. So we need to Twitter. make sure that Elon Musk is mentally healthy. Oh, or else he will turn against us. Give him his us. Twitter back. Give him his Twitter back. They yeah, took away his Twitter? Yeah. Dude, I, you don't take a man's Twitter away. That's just a big <laughs> no-no. Like, so the one thing that I can definitely see coming from this is, so Elon Musk is obviously making a transit system in a privatized system, which I imagine every capitalist under the sun is going to be backing this, pointing to it as the pure example of this is the reason we don't need government interfering with things. This is the reason because once we go private, things get built faster, quicker, and we can make the product and a better. lot cheaper. But you also have the other side of the political spectrum that's going to look at this as... Look, well, they're going to be hoping something goes wrong. So yeah, that then they can be like, they can point to it and be like, this is why we need the government to protect us. It's way too expensive. This is the reason we don't give it to corporations because corporate they're greed. greed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's the only thing I'm seeing coming from this, that it would be a very good political experiment, even though Elon Musk is just probably like, yeah. Well, I, yeah, the thing is- I want to move really fast underground. Yeah, he was tired of traffic. He, <laughs> I, I think he sent his first tweets while he was stuck in traffic. What do you think this guy would have like his own like electric helicopter by now? And like- Electric helicopter. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he, he can just teleport. That's how he get like, they say he's flying back and forth all the time, but yeah. really who has time for that? See, the problem is his own jetpack. Yeah, is <laughs> not deconstructing the matter. It's putting it back together. Oh, yeah. That's why they solved half of teleportation. <laughs> it's the other half they need to figure out. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I imagine Elon Musk is just I, I love that's how his whole, you know, M.O. has been. It's just like. I'm fed up with something. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to make it better. Well, one thing I, I love, too, I know there's a lot of people who really despise Elon Musk and uh, and they see his motivations as that, as you said, as greedy. But I really don't think they are, especially when, uh, you know, his his goal to go to Mars really was because he in an interview he was talking that he saw two potential potential futures, one in which humans don't become an interplanetary species and the other where they do and he saw that you know in one the inevitable all our resources get used up and uh have some tough times and then the other you know human life can continue so he wanted to work towards that other al alternative elon musk always a man providing new technology always a man providing a lot of topics here on the podcast but we have one last story that we need to get to and i believe i have an amber sitting across from me again presenting what are we talking about netflix is premiering movies in theaters oh i was about to say netflix premiering movies that's that's nothing new like what are you talking about so wait why are they premiering in theaters now well after years of crushing theater sales this past year movie theaters actually topped netflix in their wait, sales. what yeah really? they okay. made a comeback and now netflix is probably wanting money and they're premiering select movies in select theaters. So they're doing kind of like a Fathom or a Fandango kind of thing where it's just like limited release. Yeah, limited it's like a 90-day release. They're starting with uh, this movie called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And it's only going to be released in like three theaters around the country for like 90 days. And yeah. So this is 
interesting for me because obviously Netflix was the reason places like Blockbuster got destroyed. They literally busted the block with Blockbuster. And so now we have Netflix, which went from a delivery service to now primarily a streaming service to now they're recognizing the power of, you know, events and a physical aspect again to their company to where they're like, yeah, let, let's start premiering movies. That's really good to hear, by the way, that movie tickets are no longer really plummeting. You get those messages at the beginning of every movie like, thank you for coming to the movies. We very much appreciate you. And I look at it, I'm like, oh, they're trying. Like, good on them for trying, but it sounds like it's it's working. Again. Yeah. People are finally going to the movies, which it's an experience that even me as an introvert loves doing every now and then. Mind you, I don't go with people, and that's why it's awesome. <laughs> you don't have to talk to anyone? Yeah, no, I'm finally comfortable enough in my own skin to not have to go with people to the movies. I can just go by myself, sit in a seat, recline, and watch it. What's it like to have that power? Because I can't go by myself. <laughs> Liberating. Must it, be nice. It really is. But yeah, so this is this sounds like a big move on Netflix well, part. Some people are speculating that it's more of a like a grasp for Oscar nominations. Oh yeah. So it's probably to bring some credibility to I their mean, movie. Not to production. destroy the fact that we're talking about Netflix, but what was it? Uh Disney was trying to get like nine Oscar categories for Infinity Wars or something like that. I have not heard about that. It, they're trying to fight for Infinity Wars to get into a couple Oscar categories. And so yeah, it would make sense for Netflix to start trying to do the same thing too, because not only if any if even one Netflix series was to win an Oscar Suddenly, Netflix gets put on a map, and they start playing the big boy game. Netflix has put out really strong movies in the past. Mm -hmm. Like, Hush is a Netflix original in partnership with Blumhouse Productions, mm -hmm. and it's probably one of the best horror movies I have ever seen. It's about uh, a deaf person, so and she has like a murderer outside her house oh and she has to outsmart him but she's deaf. It's kind of like the reverse of that one movie. I can't remember the Lights name out? of it. Was it Lights Out where the kids break into the house and... Oh, no. Um, Can we get someone to IMDb this real quick? Yeah. He's an army veteran and three people go breaking into his oh, house. Oh, I have that. seen that one. Yo, don't, breathe. No. don't breathe. Don't breathe. Don't yeah. breathe. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's like the yeah. reverse of that pretty much. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. It's, and that's a really good premise because Don't Breathe was high tension. Hush. So, all right, I might go watch Hush. Hush. It's, it's on Netflix. I recommend it. Is it Oscar worthy, though, in your opinion? I think the idea is very unique. Mm -hmm. The writing was like you have to watch the movie twice they're like they uh does the fight club you in they a sense? foreshadow a lot of this story so i recommend seeing it twice because you'll pick up on certain things like it's the writing is impeccable on that movie all right hello uh my name's sophia and uh, i hear you guys talking a little bit about oscars and should netflix be uh part of that should they be able to win an oscar and i can't help but be reminded of what spielberg said a while ago uh, saying, claiming that Netflix movies should not be granted the ability to win an Oscar simply because they follow T uh, and air quotes TV format movies, so they should be able to win Emmys. But according to Spielberg, uh, not Oscars. Uh, how I personally feel about that is, nah. I think uh, the movie structure on Netflix is super strong. Like you said, Hush. I've seen that too. It was, I didn't feel at all like that was a TV movie. It was. I would have paid to see that in theaters, honestly. Me as well. I 
look, I've never really understood what constituted a TV movie. Like, low production value, I think, is what generally constitutes TV movie. That's precisely it, and it gives filmmakers an easy route to make a movie, which is what Spielberg, uh, his kind of second point is that it's making it easier for filmmakers to just make a film, and he feels like that's... uh, The horror. Yeah, I feel like he thinks part of that being a filmmaker and winning an Oscar is the the like kind of struggle that comes with making a film <laughs> i'm thinking him as like an old-fashioned gangster it's like you gotta take your lumps kid exactly that's exactly how i see it. i think he's just uh bitter yeah a little bitter a little bit like threatened let's keep, let's keep allegedly, it my way allegedly sounds, bitter he sounds threatened to me allegedly threatened <laughs> yeah i was surprised like if you really love the art form like i would think you would encourage any type of film at all to just like be on the platform and to challenge you as a creator obviously the system has changed so much with the rise of even youtube challenging what we see as media to where it's very difficult for older souls to kind of grasp like yeah this this is legitimate now we've seen high production quality on even youtube productions and all that to the point where do you call them youtube production even though you, you have this really high-end stuff like what constitutes a quote-unquote youtube production versus just a production that was distributed on youtube and then the same question kind of goes for netflix because the one thing one of the classes here in full sale university does is they force you to make a pitch and everybody and their mother seems to have the idea of netflix being a distribution platform because it seems widely accessible and easy and stuff like that so i can see where somebody's going like well if everyone can do it how come they're going to do oscar nominations but i imagine netflix isn't doing it just for anything that comes on their platform but what is specifically produced by netflix rather than distributed yeah and it really comes back to what ambar mentioned earlier about legitimizing the art form of movies on a streaming platform can they do it um which i think they can i really i agree You know, I absolutely agree with it, too. I'm a big man who loves new media, and hopefully Netflix gets what they want and we at least get one. I would be okay with an Oscar nomination, not even a win. A nomination would be huge. So that about does it for episode 41 of the We Are MCBS podcast in studio with me. I have a very loud, very excited, very caffeinated woohoo crew. That wasn't delayed at all because they were giving me looks like, do we start now? And I have been your host, Mr. Tyler Ozzy Oswald, and we will see you on the next episode. Deuces.